Hello everyone and welcome or welcome back to Double Play Baseball. I'm Jack and he's Ryan and in today's video we are going to be breaking down the Twins 2022 offseason as well as previewing their 2023 campaign where Ryan I think the Twins are going to look to compete in the AL Central because they made some moves to really put themselves in position. Do you want to break them down? Yeah obviously let's start off with the big one. It was Carlos Correa. They added him after losing him twice. They get Pablo Lopez in a trade where they lost Luis Arise. Joey Gallo they get on kind of a low-risk, high-reward type of deal. Christian Vasquez, good catcher. Michael A. Taylor to kind of fill in the gap, play a little bit center if Bucks to keep Buxton healthy, hopefully, if he gets hurt. Donovan Solano as well. They lose a rise, like I mentioned. Chris Archer, Dylan Bundy, Gary Sanchez, who I believe he doesn't have a team yet still. Miguel Sano, and then Gio Urshela. So kind of some well-known names in the mix there for adding and subtracting. Jack, which one do you think was the biggest one either on the addition or subtraction side? Yeah, I mean, Carlos Correa is the biggest one, but again, he was one of the players that was on the Twins last season, so I'll leave him for you because I really like the move of adding Pablo Lopez. It's kind of trading a strength that they had, which was infield depth, and Luis Arise, a player that didn't exactly have a position for them last year, and I know he won the batting title, but they were able to add to what has previously been a weakness for the Twins in past seasons. Lopez was really good last year for the Marlins, only really struggled against the Mets, which brought his season numbers to a kind of just a slightly above average level, but he was really, really good against everyone else uh, in the NL East and in the, in the majors in general last year, and it makes the Twins rotation quietly very good, in my opinion. You have Pablo Lopez now. He'll probably be the one. Uh, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, Tyler Malley, Kent Maeda, and then you think about the other names they have. They've got Chris Panic on the AL, and then uh, Ober, Balazovic, and Woods Richardson in the minors. The Twins are building actually a, what I think is going to be a very good rotation. I think they need a lefty, but I really like a lot of the guys they have. And Lopez is one of the players I was on last year uh, for the Marlins, and I think he fits in really well with the Twins. I'm going with Correa here. I think that's the biggest one, like you mentioned, uh, because it puts them as a potential playoff team like they were last year, kind of in that conversation. I think if you look at they add Correa and don't add Lopez, I think we still say that that they're a potential playoff team. But if they add Pablo Lopez and lose Correa, you know, I don't think I would be on them for in the playoff hunt. So I think adding Correa is the biggest one. And you're right, they had him last year. But the biggest thing was him and Buxton were kind of struggled with injury last year. So if you're able to get both of them healthy, that's two superstars on your team. And uh, two guys that are going to help you be in that playoff conversation. And maybe it's a dangerous team where they could... They're candidates to make a playoff run if they get there. Uh, and Pablo Lopez helps about that. I kind of talk about all the time. Uh, the top of a rotation is so important, especially in a playoff series, because if you can win, if you can throw off two aces and win one games one and two, you're going to, whether it's a three game or a five game series or a seven game series, you're going to have a very, very good chance to win that series. So Pablo Lopez is definitely important to the team. And like you said, it got rid of Verizon, who did win the batting title, but it was a little bit uh, of a, of a surplus, especially when they kept Correa. So they, they do, do definitely improve uh, there in the rotation. I like their rotation as well, but I think Correa was the biggest one here. Yeah, I think when you talk about Correa, we, we do have to mention the circumstances that did bring him to or back to Minnesota. You don't know what the health, and, and really we have zero clue because the Giants and the Mets both looked at him, signed him, said, actually, no, I don't want him. I don't like how this is going to uh, play out down the line. But it is, I think, still worth noting that the Twins have a player now that that um, they do believe in Carlos Correa's health. Whether he's able to stick at shortstop long-term, whether his legs are going to hold up long-term, we're still going to figure that out. But talking specifically for this season and the moves that it, that it makes to help the Twins line up right now, I'm a really big fan of bringing back Correa. I've been on uh, Carlos Correa's hype train for a couple of years now, and I think he fits in really well with this Twins team. And it was, it was, it was really important, I think you're right, for them to bring him back because if they didn't bring back Correa, team would kind of feel dead in the water, in my opinion. Um, and, and I wouldn't have been thinking about them the way that I am currently, at least, in, in a big way. I feel like bringing him back signaled, hey, we're still trying to win this year, and hey, we still can as well, because I do really like their lineup. To get, to get into a grade, I did make a TikTok earlier this offseason saying that the Twins had the most underrated offseason any team in baseball, and I'm going to stick by that. I'm giving it an A-, minus, and I only gave out two A's, at least so far, to the Mets and the Yankees, the Twins are right there with an A-. minus. 
I, I really like the move of bringing in Correa, as I mentioned. Love Pablo Lopez. And then some of these other ones, Christian Vasquez, it's, it's hard to find a starting catcher in free agency. And they might have actually done that, taking him from the Astros and where previously he was a Red Sox. I like the move of Michael A. Taylor. Even though he doesn't hit very well, he's going to play good defense if Byron Buxton isn't in center field. And if that allows Buxton to play DH a little bit more and stay healthy, I really like that move. And Joey Gallo is a player who I'm going to talk about a little later down the line, but I'd like the move of bringing Joey Gallo to Minnesota. He's played in New York. He's played in Los Angeles the last couple of years, and I think it's time for him to have another home where a little less pressure, and we're going to get into what I can, what I think Joey Gallo can do this season a little bit later. For my grade, I actually only want, want a B here. Like the way I've been thinking about it is a C is you're like, you basically have the same team. C minus get a little worse. C plus you get a little better and you work from there. So I think they got a few steps up better from last season, but uh, I don't think it was a crazy off season for them. Uh, you're right. There's a lot of guys that benefit their team. And obviously you get Carlos Correa, Pablo Lopez to be your one starter. So it was definitely one of the better off seasons and they get way better if they stay healthy. And I, I think that's something you'll point to at the end of that this season if they're able to find success. I think it'll be because they stay healthy. And you could say that for a lot of teams, but I think these this Twins team, especially when you look at kind of the stars like a Correa or Buxton who are constantly injury riddled, uh, uh, that's where you're going to point if they find success. So one of the better off seasons, in my opinion, I think it earns himself them a B. I think I agree with your scaling of you know getting a little bit better, getting a little bit worse. The, the way that I look at it is if I take in circumstances as well. So I didn't come into this offseason thinking the Twins were going to get much done in free agency. I thought they were going to lose Correa and maybe not add too many other pieces. And when they realized, hey, Correa is back on the market, we can't lose him this time, they went out, they got him, and then they also realized they're, they're, they want to capitalize on having Correa by making that Lopez trade. And I also take into account you know how much, they, how much a team has to give up to make the moves that they did. And I thought that they got pretty good value on all the guys. It's a low-risk, high-reward deal for Joey Gallo. Correa, they got on a steep discount considering you know the other teams that signed him didn't want him. And some of the other moves, I didn't think they had to give up too much to get Pablo Lopez. So I take into account value as well, which is why I think I gave it a little bit of a loftier grade and just my expectations because I didn't think that the Twins were going to be able to get much done this offseason. You talk about expectations. Now let's move on to what are you expecting for the 2023 season? The Twins are going to win the AL Central. And I feel confident in saying that. And you can clip it right now and show it to me at the end of the season. I'm feeling confident and I'm buying into the Twins Kool-Aid. I'm sipping it. And I think that the Twins are going to win the Central. I love the pitching staff. I really like the lineup, assuming that, not assuming, but hoping that Buxton and Correa stay healthy and all the other players in the lineup as well. I'm a fan. I like Jose Miranda. I like just a lot of the other guys around uh, the lineup. Christian Vasquez is a player that I like. Max Kepler is one of the best defensive outfielders. I've already mentioned I like Joey Gallo this season. I'm buying into the Twins. Their bullpen, I also really like, especially when comparing it to certain other teams in the American League. It may be a lofty expectation, but bull, it's it's kind of a bold take, but I'm saying that the Twins are your 2023 AL Central winner. I say pump the brakes here, buddy. I think you're going too far on that. And you mentioned this to me earlier this offseason when you were making that TikTok that you that you mentioned. So go check out the TikTok. Uh, but I've got them as a third wildcard team at best. And I'm kind of doing my record predictions and I'm not going to spoil anything. But Twins fans aren't going to like me. I'll say that much. And I, I think you're not going to like me. This is the central. I think both centrals could be where we're going to have some pretty different uh, record predictions and playoff predictions. So I think they're third wildcard team at best and give you a little insight. I think they're the third team in the division. I, well, I, I'm not saying that they're going to be amazing because if, if, if the, the winner of the central didn't get an automatic bid in the postseason, their record that I'm at least projecting them for right now would be a third wildcard team anyway. But that's what I think about the AL central. I'm just, I don't think this is a very strong division. I don't think, I don't think I have the twins record winning any other division in baseball. Um, but considering that it is the AL Central, a year like the Guardians had last year or a year like I think that the Twins can have this year, even though it might be a third wildcard team for uh, teams in other divisions, it's you don't have to do much to win the AL Central most years. So that's at least to give you a little insight on what I'm ex- expecting record-wise. But I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's the easiest division to win. I think 
of all the divisions I had, the Twins having the lowest record of a single division winner. So I'll just put that out there. I, I, I'm not going to get too much into it, but I think you're underselling the Guardians, and we'll talk about that later in the week with our Guardians uh, season preview. But I, I think the Guardians they got a they got better this offseason, and they they won ninety some games last season. So I think to to say, I mean. Maybe it could be just because how stacked the top of the AL West and the AL East are. Uh, I don't, I don't have my rec- draft uh, predictions for records in front of me, so maybe I have the same thing where they would be the third wild card team, uh, record wise, if you didn't get an automatic bid like you were talking about. But, but I still think it's going to be they're, they're going to be one of the better teams, uh, the Guardians. That is, and I don't, I don't know if I believe in the Twins like you do. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the boldest. I think this is. There's another team that we talked about early in the offseason um, that I think we were actually both pretty high on. At that wasn't very good last season, and I know the Twins were under 500 last year. But I've kind of staked my claim on them. Is this is my bold team for the year? It's it's like if someone came out last year and said, you know, I think that well, actually the Orioles are going to be in the the wild card race for a really long time. You know, there's one of those teams every year where they do take a big jump, uh, and I I think that this year, at least for me. That team's gonna be the Twins, and I I've said it all off season. I didn't want to change it now. I, I'm feeling confident about it. I think they can win the Central. Uh, it 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 really does all depend on health. Not all depend on health, but they're one of the teams that's banking on health the most. Because if you lose a Buxton or you lose a Correa, the lineup does take a slight step back. But the Twins have always been the team where we say they can hit the they can hit the cover off the ball, but can they pitch? And this is the year where I really believe they're building a strong rotation and. You look at Tyler Malley, a guy that some teams were thinking about adding as a two-starter last year, and right now he slots in as the the Twins' four. And Kentai Maeda has had a very good spring training. He slotted in as the five, and they've got pitching prospects as well. I I like arms in the bullpen, Yoan Duran. I just I, I'm liking what the Twins are building, and we'll talk about the Guardians as you mentioned later this week. But I'm not as high on them as I think most people are. Right, well, there you go. What do you have for their bold prediction for this upcoming season? Yeah, I mentioned Joey Gallo earlier. Uh, I just think he bounces back as a well above average hitter. I think his, I would go maybe above a 120 WRC plus where we've seen him have seasons as high as 144. But with the shift ban, which who actually knows because of spring training, we saw an, uh, the left fielder get moved into right field. So we'll see what's happening with Joey Gallo. But I think he will get more hits added because of the shift. I think the new environment is really going to help because he was in those pressure filled cities of New York and Los Angeles. And last time when he was in Arlington, he didn't feel as much pressure and was able to hit the ball well as a Ranger. I think he bounces back to those levels, maybe not all the way, uh, which I think it was in 2019, where he was just off off, off the charts incredible, but I think that he bounces back to be a well above average hitter, and he's too good to be as bad as he has been in the past couple seasons. So maybe it's not the most bold, because I think you know he's a popular re-breakout pick, but I, I like Joey Gallo this season a lot. I'm on another player who maybe it isn't bold very bold but I think Byron Buxton plays 100 plus games and gets five plus war uh on the season and that those are two things I don't know about I can't don't know about the war when he lasted that but he hasn't played over 100 games since I think it was 2017 and even then it wasn't wasn't very far over 100 so 100 games doesn't sound bold but for Byron Buxton it is and it'd be a be a huge boost to my fantasy team because I I've got him I got him from a trade with you last season so uh I think I, I'm believing in Buxton and maybe that's my bias because I, I I need to believe in him for my fantasy team to play well but and I think I've said this every year for the last couple of years I I just want to see Buxton do well and that's kind of it's a little bit of bias in my my build prediction like you said he gets cover off the ball he's five tool player he's so exciting to watch so I just want to see him on the field He's only played in 95 or more games one time in his entire career. That was in 2017 where he played 140 games. He played 39 of 60 games in 2020. Last year he got up to 92 and those those 92 games were something else. How many he had 28 home runs in the 92 games that he played. If he can play 100, he's automatically an MVP candidate. He's he I I mean I think the Twins need him to play 100 or more games in order to make the playoffs, but if they can get him and Correa to be relatively healthy. I'm not saying that Buxton has to go out there and play 162, but if they, if he can be relatively healthy, that this twin squad is going to be very dangerous, at least lineup-wise. And that's why I mentioned the Michael A. Taylor signing, where everyone's kind of, normally you look at Michael A. Taylor signing to a team, it's like, 
another. They they added a guy that can play defense but can't really hit. But if they, if that puts Byron Buxton at DH for some more games this year, and they they kind of pull him back, say we know Byron, your outfield defense is great, but we need you to play 140 games again. I think that would be big if if Byron agrees to it and you know plays DH. That, that could be really huge for someone who, as we mentioned, his health has struggled recently. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Double Play. I'm Ryan Donahue. This is Jack Smith. Today, we're going to be recapping the Tigers' 2022 offseason and then looking forward to 2023. They were somewhat busy. They would have added some names this offseason. We don't like it. We'll start with uh, start off with that. Jack, go ahead and just list off the names that they added and lost. Here we go. So the additions, they're not the best quality, but there is some quantity there. Trevor Rosenthal, Matt Whistler, Matt Veerling, Matthew Boyd, they love their mats this offseason. Michael Lorenzen and Nick Maton, or Maton? I don't know how to pronounce it, Maton. but anyways, Maton. Maton. Not- notable subtractions, Gregory Soto, Andrew Chafin, Jamer Condelario, Tucker Barnhart, Michael Pineda. A lot of guys moving in and out, none of them really big names. If you had to put a label on one Ryan as the biggest addition or subtraction, what are you going to go with? I guess it's Gregory Soto. And it's just because I mean he's under contract till 2025. It's just I know he doesn't like fit the window. I mean, you don't really need a a lights out closer. I even if you, you can't really I don't know if you can consider him a lights out closer, but a better high high leverage reliever. Uh you don't really need that for the position the Tigers are in. But I mean you have the number under contract. And if the return was better, I'd feel differently. But it just didn't feel like something they needed to do for they got I know they got Matt Beerling in that trade, Nick Batone. Uh I believe there was one other one of these I don't think it was any of these players. They got a prospect who was like the twenty something ranked Phillies prospect. I believe he was a catcher. So uh it wasn't like a great return for him. I feel like if you go like keep him towards a trade deadline when you look for teams that are looking to add a higher leverage guy you can maybe get one of their better end prospects for them and I feel like a top 10 prospect from a team is better than two career utility guys for not contending teams and an okay prospect I feel like one 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 good guy is better than those three guys so it wasn't a great return for them and uh it just it it, it didn't feel like something that should have been done now I'll say it it, it probably would be necessary in the future but at this price it shouldn't have been done now yeah I'm gonna tell you it was just an unnecessary move to trade him away and he's one of those guys where we go to the all-star game every year and you're like we got to add a Tigers all-star I guess it'll be Gregory Soto and you know you look and he's a two-time all-star and he doesn't I mean he doesn't pitch like he's a two-time two-time reliever all-star he's no Classe or Edwin Diaz but He's still, he's been your representative in the All-Star game the last two seasons, uh, and he's just one of those guys where maybe he isn't as good as, a, you know, a big two-time All-Star in, in the bullpen, but he's still the guy that's been representing your team. He's still one of the better young players on your team, uh, and he's still got a lot of potential. Like, his stuff from the left-hand side is crazy. It just didn't feel like they needed to trade him away, and there are, you know, if, if they had a big subtraction or a big addition, then we could point that out, but really is a lot of smaller names and you look at Gregory Soto's name and he's the, he's the one name on that list where you're like at least this guy's got potential like he could be molded into something big and just didn't feel like they needed to trade him right now because like you mentioned on, in under contract through 2025 it's there was no shot clock there's no impending doom of you know oh what if he leaves us in free agency you had him through 2025 he's been representing your team at the all-star game he's one of the better you know young high potential players on your roster didn't feel like a necessary move, so I'm going to go with Gregory Soto as well. Yeah, and further grade, uh, the Ridges isn't much here in general. I went with a D plus. It wasn't one of the worst ones we've seen, and like you mentioned at the top, there was there was some volume of players that they added in. So at least there were there were some players that are going to fill out their roster, and no no one like how the A's approached it. They uh, they kind of signed guys that like okay, one well, year deals like. Maybe they play well. Maybe you get a prospect for them. It's a, there isn't even like a guy like this on this on this list of what they added. Uh, maybe Michael Lorenzen is okay as starter. He had eight wins for the Angels last year. And something funny that I just saw 
when I was doing my bold prediction, which we'll give at the end of the end of the video, I was looking up like trying to get some inspiration for the Tigers. So I was like, Tigers bold predictions. And this Tigers blog had Michael Lorenzen winning 20 games. And I just, I had myself a little chuckle. So are the Tigers going to win 20 games? I mean, that's what, that's what I said. I was like, oh, he's going to win like half their games. But uh, so, I mean, it, it's a solid signing. I, I do kind of like Michael Lorenzen and the, like he's got a little bit of swag, but I, I mean, he's not going to be no 20 game winner. So just not, not impressed here. They got worse. I D plus. So I think it's on the better side of bad. I had a D plus as well, and I haven't given out any Fs. I've, I think I gave a D to the A's. I gave a D minus to the Rockies, but D plus is along lines of teams like the Rays, who added one player. I like Zach Eflin more than anyone that the Tigers added. I think the Nationals. I gave a D plus as well, and they added. I would call it like a bunch of mid, and and you know for some teams that works. And the Tigers, I know that they're probably not in the market to add anyone big right now. But if if we're gonna treat them like that. Why'd you go out and sign Javier Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez last year? Like, it, it doesn't really make sense. If you're going to do that and add two players who were terrible in their first season with Detroit, if if, if you want your fans to believe, hey, you know, we're, we're going to go for, for some wins last season, this offseason just doesn't make sense. So I'm not going to give you the benefit of the doubt like I did the some other teams by saying, they're not, they're not good enough to add big-name free agents right now. So it's I'm fine that they played it slow. The Tigers went out and added two big name free agents last offseason, so they don't really have an excuse for being this inactive um, unless they want a D plus. So I, I gave them a D plus as well, just because. And even the even the quantity of players they added, it's like all in the bullpen, which I good good on them for signing some guys who could potentially be options in the bullpen. But the lineup is filled out with with a lot of 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 junk right now, to be completely honest, uh, for the Tigers. So just not not a big fan of the offseason. I gave it a D plus too. Just not impressed. Yeah, when you look at Javi Baez signing that, I, I, I'm pretty sure when they signed that deal, they structured it to be two years opt-out, then two years. So I think that's an opt-out candidate after this year. I I, I think, think they hope he's an opt-out after this year, after after what we've seen last that season. Right. I, mean, I, I do have, honestly. I do have some some faith in Javi Baez, but yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. It, it, if he has another bad year, he'll probably be opting in. But uh, we'll see what he tries after this season but uh what I'm expecting for them this year is last in the division unfortunately they were able to get fourth last year by a couple games over the Royals I think they'll have a worse record worse record than last season like I said in the grade they got a little bit worse this season uh for for this season I don't think they're a team that's going to lose 100 games and I think they went whatever the math is 78 77 and 85 what they lost 85 games last year whatever that math adds up to 162 is how many wins they got so I think you see them lose around 10 more games this offseason and get last in the division and uh like I said there's candidates it'll be Miguel Cabrera's farewell season so yay positive for the Tigers and hopefully Javi Baez bounces back and ups out and signs with a contending team or something for you but it's really focused on the rebuild now. And and it's, I know from a fan perspective, watching a team go through a rebuild is not fun. But for me, at least, seeing a team make positive steps in a rebuild is something that I enjoy. So hopefully, if you're a Tigers fan, that's, that's what you should be hoping for this season. Well, I mean, I think if you were the Tigers, you would have expected the rebuild to be kicking back up already because... Last season, as, as rookie years, they brought up Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson. They've had Casey Mize, a former number one overall pick in the majors for a couple of years now. They did sign two big-name free agents in Javi Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez. They had A.J. Hinch, who a lot of people, you know, they hated what he did in, in Houston, but he's a good manager. Just not working out. I mean, uh, even some of the other prospects that they've brought up pitching-wise, it's just not working out in Detroit. And so, whereas, I think a couple, like, coming into last season some people were really high on the Tigers saying Javi Baez that's their big first free agent signing in a while we like AJ Hinch and it just hasn't been working out um to get to my what to expect as well I was surprised to to kind of look and see that they didn't lose the AL Central last year it was the Royals who lost it but I think it is back to the bottom of the Central for the Tigers again a worse record than last season just not they're really not built to win many games and as opposed to some of the other teams that we're going to get to the Royals not as big of a believer in their prospects so I can kind of get into my prediction because I mentioned 
you know, they brought up Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson last season. And this might feel a little bit random, but it's kind of the way that I'm looking at it. I think one of them breaks out and the other one disappoints again. It's hard to have two, I would say, rookies still break out at the same time after a year in which they both struggled pretty mightily. And I still haven't decided which one it is yet. I think it could be Green. I think it's more likely that it's Torkelson. But I say in a lineup where, you know, there's not going to be a lot of protection, it's not going to be, you know, a lot of base runners winning many games for the Tigers. I think one of them's going to break out and we're going to look uh, at going into 2024 and say, yeah, yeah, that's a, they, they're, they're going, they're trending in the right direction. And I think the other one's going to struggle again. I'm going with Riley Green as the one who's going to interest you well. And that, that's kind of my bullet prediction. I think he cements himself as a top 10 center fielder in baseball. Uh, I also had that. I think he's going to get a 110 plus WRC plus and, think he was at a 98 last year uh he played about 90 games only had five home runs so I think that's a category for Riley Green that was a little bit surprising he can hit for a little bit of power hard to hit for power in Comerica Park though that's the thing but they did bring in the fences this offseason his projection right now looking at fan graphs he's projected to get 14 home runs so I think 15 plus home runs and a 110 WRC plus and uh, Torkelson was a guy I believed in last uh, last season. A guy I had him on my fantasy team for the first couple weeks of the season before he disappointed. So I I, I think they could have both work, work out. I think Riley Green's going to be the one that if you, if you look to only one, I think it's going to be Riley Green. But I could see Torkelson doing it as well. And looking at this lineup, there's some okay pieces mixed in here. Uh, you, you get a Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, those two guys. Javi Baez, like we said, could could uh could hopefully bounce back. Austin Meadows, who we I kind of forgot about, was on their team, struggled a lot in a couple different places last year. So if he's able to get back and be with the Austin Meadows he was with the Rays, there, there's some pieces here. And Eric Haas is a catcher I kind of like. So we'll see. I'm trying. That's what that's what I'll say for the for the Tigers. I'm trying to find his projection for stolen bases. I, I was kind of surprised. He only stole one bag last year. He's a guy that you would think center fielder has a lot of speed. Bigger bases could steal more, but baseball reference projecting him right now for three steals. I think Fangraphs is, they have a bunch of different ones in between him, like five and seven. I think, I think he should try and prioritize, you know, running. He, he's really fast, obviously, and we're going to see, at least we expect to see uh, an uptick in stolen bases and teams running with these bigger bases. And he's one of those guys where if he can get out there and, you know, maybe he doesn't hit any more than 10 home runs, you can steal 20 bases to go along with that. It definitely improves your value with also being a good defensive center fielder. So, you know, I think Riley Green can break out. I think I think the more likely one is Torkelson because you, they brought in the fences, which should help him. He's got more power than Riley Green, and he was just a better prospect coming up. He hit the ball, or his swing decisions were really good last year. Just didn't hit the ball incredibly well. And I think he can. You know, you look at the, I think that the flashes for Torkelson are better than the flashes for Green. And so I'm thinking better prospect, higher flashes last year. If one of them is going to break out, I think I'd put my money on Torkelson. Hopefully they both break out because you, of course, want to see the prospects play well, especially for the Tigers as they're coming up in a rebuild. But just, you know, there's there's that little part of me that's thinking, it's going to be hard for both of them to both really impress this year. We'll see how that plays out. I, I guess I'm on Riley Green. You're on Torkelson. So well, maybe maybe we're both right. Maybe they both break out, and I'm sure Tigers fans would like to see that. Hello, everyone, and welcome or welcome back to Double Play Baseball. In this video, Ryan and I are going to be breaking down the White Sox 2023 offseason as well as previewing their 2023 campaign. We've done this for over 20 teams in Major League Baseball. We're getting close to the end of this series. You can check all those uh, down below in the play- in the playlist that I'm going to also try and link up here somewhere. But, Ryan, the White Sox made a big move this offseason, and the rest of it was kind of iffy. Do you want to break it down for us? Yeah, so the big move you're alluding to is they added Andrew Benintendi to a... I think that was a four- or five-year deal. Uh, you had Mike Clevenger as well, who was dealing with some stuff. Seems like it's sorted out now. Victor Reyes, Elvis Andrews to play second base. Notable subtractions, they lost Jose Abreu, your MVP first baseman. Johnny Cueto, who pitched well for you last year after signing him. Josh Harrison, and then A.J. Pollock, who you got in the Kimbrel trade. So, four additions here, four subtractions. Which one do you like or not like the most? 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, biggest addition, obviously, is Benintendi. That's, that surprised me. That's the biggest free agent contract they've ever given out. But to me, I'm going subtraction because for a team that needs consistency and steady play, and I think better in leadership, and I don't mean in the way that Tony La Russa has in past seasons, losing Jose Abreu is a big deal. He's been their best player for quite a long time, won an MVP in 2020, which even though that season everyone called him overrated, I was on the, the train that last season people were underrating how good Jose Abreu was, and I think he's going to be great in Houston, as I mentioned in, in that video that we did earlier this offseason. But for a team like the White Sox, who's disappointed in past years and is, is looking for players and guys that are going to uphold what they want to be as a franchise, that was Jose Abreu to me, and now they don't have him, and I think it's a big loss. I went with Andrew Benintendi. Um, it wasn't a need for them necessarily, but it definitely boosts their team. It's a guy, he's going to be a starter in that outfield, and it's going to improve their outfield, whether it's drastically or not. We've seen guys kind of fill a need for other teams. This wasn't necessarily the case, but he's going to be a starter. He's going to play well. We saw him hitting 330, 320 with the, uh, with the Royals before he got traded. Now you're going to add a guy that can and will hit 300 in the year, and you pair that with Tim Anderson. I know people don't like batting average, but when you're able to get a hit three times out of ten, that's... I think that's still important. Uh, like Tim Anderson said in recent interview, I thought that was kind of cool. So batting average isn't everything, but if you have a good batting average, that still means something. And for a guy like Ben Intendi, who's won a gold glove before as well, I think those are, that's going to be very consistent. Like you said, you need consistent. So I think Ben Intendi is going to bring that. I think he was a good addition here. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that allows maybe Eloy Jimenez to play DH and, they're going to move Andrew Vaughn to first base, which is where he played at Cal and where he played in the minors, which I think Andrew Vaughn's going to explode this season because when you return back to that position, if you're a first baseman, you're forced to play outfield, it, it just impacts everything. You're hitting preparation because you're focused so much on playing the outfield and he still hit the ball well last year. So now at first base where it's a lot more casual and he's far more used to it, I think he's going to hit the ball even better this season. Benintendi, I think, is important on the defensive side. I didn't think they needed him, especially to give the biggest contract they've ever given it, it it didn't make a ton of sense to me I still like the move I think he's you know he's he's a decent fit but it wasn't you know the most necessary in my opinion and to give a grade it's kind of just the way I've been talking about it some losses some additions I like some losses I don't and overall it just kind of evens out as average I went with a C nothing you know left off the page to me nothing I was like that's terrible um so it didn't elicit too much of a reaction in me so I went with a C I'm right there. I got at a C plus, and the way I've been kind of going about these, I, I've explained before. Uh, C is you stay the same, like you said. It's the average. Relatively, you think they got better this off season? I think they get slightly better. I'm, I'm at like a low C plus. I I think that's where I'm at with them. And uh, like you said, I think moving Andrew Vaughn to first first base, uh, he's gonna play well. And Benintendi in the outfield right now, yet. Yeah. It says Eloy Jimenez is going to be the DH. Gavin Sheets also in the outfield. So I think they get a little bit better, and I think their record is going to uh, going to reflect that. And I mean, this is a team that oh, this is a team that I had so much faith in last season. I, I had them in the World Series. Last, we both had last them year. as the one seed in the AL, which yeah makes us look terrible. But uh, yeah, I, I thought they were going to go to the World Series. I, I had so much faith in, faith in this team last year, so. There's still some of that lingering faith that that the guys can guys can perform. They're no World Series team anymore in my mind, but uh, there's still some lingering faith that this team can kind of figure it out. And so I went with a C plus and kind of moving on to the what to expect. To, my faith figured it out. I think they're going to be right in that wild card uh, conversation. And Jack talked about in the Twins episode. He's got the Twins winning the division. I've got the Twins third, and I've got the White Sox coming in second in this in this division. And if I were to say right now who's going to be that third wildcard team, I might be giving it to the White Sox. Do you remember how much... Because we both predicted them to make the playoffs, maybe make the World Series. We both had them as the one seed in the American League. And all season, you kept out hope for the White Sox. And what did they do to you? They, they kind of just ripped your heart out all season long. And you're starting it again this season. I, I, I feel like we're going to be looking at it about 140 games in. I'm going to be looking at you and saying, what did I tell you about the White Sox? I don't have them in the playoff right now. I don't. I don't mean to spoil our standings prediction predictions later, but you see how I've been talking about the White Sox basically since the middle of last year. I said 
I'm not buying into this team anymore. It's them and the Angels for me where each season I, I want to come in and believe in them and they're kind of, they're, what's the word? I'm, like my Achilles heel. Like I want to believe in the White Sox and sure, I like this lineup. I like the pitching staff a lot. Dylan Cease, I'm a big fan of. Luis Robert, we mentioned every offseason, could win an MVP if he puts it all together, but they haven't in the past couple of years. And there's there's really not been anything that's going on that's really inspiring me. And I think it's, whether it's the leadership of the team, they had Tony La Russa, and just there's not a lot that inspires me about the White Sox. So I think they can win games because, of course, the lineup's great, but I think it's going to be another one of those seasons where no matter what their record is, finding success is going to be a struggle for them. I think they're going to labor through the season. They're going to have win streaks. They're going to have cold streaks. And it's never going to feel dominant. It's never going to feel easy. And I think that's the way that I would describe watching the White Sox the last couple of seasons is it never happens easy enough for them. And then the roster and the lineup, we thought they can coast to over 100 wins last year. And it's just a struggle for them to continually win games and they might have success they could end up in that third wild card spot because they have the potential but even if they do I feel like it's going to be a long path to get there and it's going to feel laborious and that's just the way that I view this White Sox team right now well something that is always funny to me I feel like after every all-star break after every season I'll come across a tweet that'll say like White Sox since 2500 White Sox this season, 81 and 81. It, it, their, their franchise has just been just <laughs> right there being mid for so long. Uh, and so back to the playoff thing, the, the point I wanted to make uh, is I, I think where I was going with that is I think they will write, be right around that 81 and 81 a little bit better because I'm not going to predict a under 500 team to make the playoffs. But uh, when you look at the teams here, I... I I think the Yankees or Blue Jays, whoever loses that division, is one. Mariners, probably going to be the second one. And you look at the third one, I mean, White Sox, Twins, Orioles, Rays, and then Rangers and Angels for that third wildcard spot. Well, you just named you just named half the American League. Well, those are the teams that are going to be in contention for that. No, I, I understand. Yeah. And of those teams, I think the White Sox are the best team there. And they're the team that I, I like the most. And that's the team I'm going to be, uh, I guess now I'm spoiling it. I, I had them potentially in as my what to expect but right now I have them in I started when I started doing my predictions I saw the exact same things you did put them right in there they were one of the first teams I put in and I put 81 and 81 and I said I'm gonna go from here based off however many wins I need to take away from teams however many I need to give and I, I I'm on the other side from you I don't think they got any better this offseason so for a team that's been 81 and 81 around there for the longest time I took a couple of wins away and we'll get into our final standings predictions after this series is over right before opening day but just not buy in the White Sox this year and, and maybe that's for my own good and I, you know maybe I'm just doing it to protect myself because I don't want to put myself out there to get hurt again by the White Sox because for a couple seasons now we've said this lineup is awesome this pitching staff has so much potential and even though they have a lot of individual performances that are great I mean Dylan Cease almost won the Cy Young last year Lance Lynn had a great second half uh, Luis Robert is still playing pretty well. Tim Anderson is uh, an all-star almost every year, and Jose Abreu had a great year. They just don't put it together as a team, which I, I think is the reason that I just cannot fully buy in to the White Sox. I still don't think they're going to be terrible. Like I don't think they're going to fall off the face of the earth, but uh, just not not buying in. And I can get into my bold prediction, and this is I think one of the bolder ones I've had, where I think they're going to be falling out of contention towards the end of the season. I think they're going to tra trade away some pieces at the trade deadline. I think they're one of those teams where they realize that this was supposed to be their window, but they're not putting it together for the third straight year. And they have pieces coming up. Like I think Tim Anderson could be a guy that gets moved. I think they've got some relievers. You could even see one of those starting pitchers get moved. I just think that the White Sox are going to realize we're just not putting it together in this window right now. Let's, let's trade away some of these other pieces, try and rejuvenate for the next couple of years or I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the White Sox in a couple years go into a full rebuild again. But I think that this is one of my bolder takes. I think they're going to move some guys to the deadline. For me, the White Sox, it, it feels like a toxic X that I keep going back to. And you, well, you keep going back to them. That's the thing. Like You're not learning from that X. Yeah, they, they keep cheating on me, but they keep saying they're going to get better. And so I'm, I keep going back. So I'm going they're not selling here. But my bold prediction is, so I'm going to read some stats before I get into my bold prediction. So Last year, the White Sox were 23rd in outside average, 28th in defensive war, 27th in defensive run saved. 
And my bold prediction is that they're top 15 in all of those categories this season. You had Ben intended. He was a gold glover. Uh, we mentioned Andrew Vaughn moving to first base. He was pretty bad in the outfield. So you had some st- stability there. And Ben intended a gold glover in the outfield. Eloy Jimenez isn't best defender. He's going to go to DH. Uh, Elvis Andrews was an underrated one. He'll play good defense at second. So I think you could see them creep up at the top half of the league in defense next year. I think a lot of errors, like the most errors are made on the left side of the infield. And the White Sox have one of the worst defensive left sides of the infield in all of baseball. Gavin Sheets is a guy that is probably also a DH. He's playing right field. Luis Robert has a lot of potential. He's really fast, got a big arm, but not the greatest defender in center. We haven't even seen Yasmani Grandal be you know, fully healthy and, and great for a full season. Maybe he's another guy that gets moved even if he does start to play well. I don't think, I mean, maybe they're top 15 in one of those categories. I wouldn't be like ultra surprised because you, you mentioned, I mean, they do add uh, Andrew Menintendi, but top 15 in all the categories is, I think that'll be hard to do, especially because without the shift, defense has, there's far more important on the actual players on defense as opposed to, you know, putting guys in the right position. And the White Sox aren't one of those teams that's going to benefit from that. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to veto that. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think I'm going to, and hit that buzzer saying, not in my, not in my opinion. Well, I, I, I mean, to, to your point, I, if they hit one, I feel like they're they're going to be right there with all. I mean, it, it, like there are different ways the metrics are are measured, but they're all pretty similar. Like, I mean, twenty third, twenty eighth, and twenty seventh, you're relatively around the same spot. So if they hit one of them, they're going to be close in all three. I think they got better. I mean, I give you that because you hadn't been intended, but. I don't think they they went from one of the worst teams to a top half team, or even higher. Or I guess it is, yeah, top half team. Um, no, I'm not buying it. But then again, I'm I'm the one that I think most White Sox fans are going to think that I'm the hater, and you know, everyone, all the Twins fans are going to love me, and all the White Sox fans are going to hate me, and that's going to continue for most of the season. And I've come to terms with that. But Ryan, why don't you bring us home? Hello, everybody, and welcome, or welcome back to Double Play. I'm Ryan. This is Jack. Today, we're going to be doing our Royals season preview. We're going to start with recapping their 2022 offseason and then look forward to what 2023 has in store for them. Jack, let's go ahead and get right into this. What did they do? All right. Only one subtraction. We'll start there. That was Adalberto Mondesi. I believe that's how they got Josh Taylor, who was a pretty good reliever for Boston last year. But that was a that was a flip-flop trade. The rest of it, they have some interesting additions and keeps. You keep Zach Greinke, you're adding Aroldis Chapman, who... Who would have ever thought a couple years ago he'd end up on the Royals? Franmil Reyes, Jordan Lyles, and Ryan Yarbrough. So they they add some pieces. They're only losing one guy in Mondesi who has all the potential in the world as a, a super fast, ton of power shortstop, but has not played ba- very much baseball over the last couple of seasons. Ryan, who do you think is the biggest addition or subtraction? Um, I'm going to go with Jordan Lyles and Yar- Ryan Yarbrough, and I know you're going to say the same in there, but I don't think they make a crazy difference. They're both signed through 2024. And if I'm projecting their rebuild, I think 2025 is their kind of when they start to be a playoff team. And so I don't think any of their moves in general, not just those two guys, move the needle so much. But it's also when you're looking at a rebuilding team, that's not what you're looking for. You're not looking for guys that are going to accelerate your rebuild. We've kind of talked about some teams that maybe jump the gun on that too fast. You look at a Rockies with Chris Bryant or a Tigers with Javi Baez. Sometimes that won't work out for you. So good on them for patience, but I, I don't think there was too many crazy things here. And I mean, maybe it was designed that way. Maybe they realized that their window is now for a couple of years. And you look at these guys, if they if they perform well for you, you'll re-sign them. And guys that kind of, you know, these are these guys, those two guys aren't going to be top 10 starting pitchers or, or anything. To, to, uh, they're not going to sign for big money and when they're up for free agency. So maybe you like the production they do for you and you, Sign him for that middle of that rotation once once you're kind of in your window. So I, I I like that they get them now and kind of see what happens and they're gonna they're gonna be solid for you this year. Yeah, no, I had them as well and I know you saw that on, on our doc and and I wrote you know they're they're starting pitching moves I like because I think they're both solid guys who are gonna fill out either the you know middle of the rotation for many guys maybe they're closer to the top because it is the Royals but. I think building stability is not, you, you You can't complain as a rebuilding team. And you, you might be only be getting, you know, average starting pitchers, but for a team like the Royals, that's, that's not a bad thing. And then you have a lot of young hitters 
who have a lot of potential but are going to be volatile this season. We mentioned MJ Melendez, Bobby Witt Jr., Vinny Pasquantino, all guys we like, but they're also young and you don't know what you're going to get from them. So you got to play 162 games and filling out rotation with two different stable pieces. And again, not not going to not say they're all stars or anything like that, but that's that's a, a good move for the Royals. And given the circumstances of where this team finished last year, which was bottom of the AL Central, I do like those moves. And we compare them with teams we've already reviewed for the AL Central, like the Tigers, who didn't add a whole lot. It's a step in the right direction for the Royals. So I'm a fan, and and I am I, I'm liking the Royals this year. We'll get into that a little bit later. But if you had to give this offseason a grade, what would you go with? For me, this one's tough because I, I don't want to sign like a C plus, but I also don't want to give a B minus. I, I feel like you throw in that B in front of it, it might be too good and C's too bad. So I, I'll go with a B minus. I'll lean on the side that they got a little bit more better than they did bad. Obviously, you mentioned they only lose Mondesi. So I think you get better, but uh, it's a low end B minus for me. I'm I I'm going with a C plus and and I I'm fine if you want to bring yours back down to a C plus and I, I the reason that I didn't give him a B minus even though I wanted to is just based on the other teams I gave C or B minuses to I gave I gave my Giants a B minus and I thought I was being maybe harsh on the Giants but the Royals offseason wasn't as good as the Giants where they added Hanager and Conforto and Taylor Rogers so I try to think I was looking through other people I may have also given C minuses to or other teams I gave C pluses to. I gave the I gave the Angels a C plus and I liked some of the moves they made bringing in Hunter Renfro and a couple of other guys. So I couldn't I couldn't put the uh, the Royals at the same level as the Giants or above the Angels. So I stuck with a C plus and if I was going in a vacuum maybe I'd go B minus because the Royals have been the Royals in past years, but. I still like the offseason. Um, I just kind of wrote my my note was not bad, not bad. Royals, you know, I like I like seeing this, and so maybe it's a C plus, but it's a step in the right direction, and maybe they start to parlay that into more success and more moves in the next couple of off seasons. But if you want to bring yours back down to a C plus, I wouldn't blame you. I know it looks weird starting with a C, but relative to other teams, I had to keep them in that same range. I'll just stick with a B minus. <laughs> Feeling generous today. Yeah, I, I, not for the twins, good, but uh, in a good mood. I, yeah, but no, not to the twins. But <laughs> what I'm expecting for them this year is I, I'm, I'm expecting progress in their rebuild and moving closer to that 2025 window that I mentioned earlier, kind of assigned to them. I think that's where they're going to find find it, and they're going to find production from the pieces that they we kind of start to see. Okay, this is our future. Uh, Bobby Witt struggled a little bit last year, picked it up towards the end of the season. Uh, Vinny P is a guy we like, and uh, Brady Singer as well is a guy a lot of people actually like. So I feel like those guys with MJ Melendez, who I drafted in fantasy, those guys, I think you start to find production in those pieces and you you start to see, okay, this is where we're going. These guys, once they mature, these are going to be the leaders of our team and contribute to when we're ready to play playoff baseball. I, I'm kind of along that same line, um, but I'm saying I think they're going to have some of the best young play in the league among any team. Uh, and I think you see you see some teams where they they have a team that's kind of filled with prospects, but those guys are all playing well at a young age. And I think I look you look at the Braves last year where they had Spencer Strider and Michael Harris, and both of them were just balling. And I'm not saying the Royals are going to be the Braves, but some of these young guys, I mean, there's not many prospects or young players that we personally like more than Bobby Witt and Vinny Pasquantino. And you had MJ Melendez, who was great last year, um, especially when he didn't have to play catcher. Brady Singer, as you mentioned, he's only 26. He's going to be one of the one of, if not the best starters for the USA team in the World Baseball Classic, which we're flying out tomorrow uh, to go see them play in Arizona. I, I, I really like this young core of Royals players, and we've we've talked about a lot of teams so far this offseason who have potential, and we say, you know, maybe in the future, when you talk about the Orioles or um, some of these other teams, there's not many there's not many young cores I like more than this than this Royals one. Bobby Witt, I think, is going to be fantastic this year. I drafted Vinny Pasquantino in fantasy baseball because we think he's maybe already one of the best first basemen in baseball and, and definitely can cement himself as one this year. So I really like this Royals young core, and I'm kind of saying that they're going to have some of the best play out of youngsters in all of baseball. And I'll stick with one of those youngsters for my bold prediction. Uh, I'm going to go Brady Singer. I think he does get a little bit of a breakout here. Uh, Fangrass has a projected at 3.9 ERA. I'm going to say he's under a 3.5 BRA and he kind of cements himself as look looks like their future number one for years to come. And kind of, like I said, what the what to expect, he, he's 
him and the other guys that we've been talking about this whole time are going to be their future. And I think you see that from Brady Singer this year, and you, you see the potential in him. Yeah, um, this is gonna this is gonna be weird, and it's gonna take some explanation. And it's not. I would say don't take it as seriously as it sounds, but I think that the Royals are going to be this year's Orioles. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be in the playoff picture for the entire season, kind of like the the, the Orioles were. I think it's going to be a toned-down version, but I think they're going to have a lot of the same characteristics, where I think that they're going to be pesky, especially against some of the teams in their division, like the Twins and the Guardians and the White Sox, who may be fighting for that one spot. I think they're going to get it as a kind of some rough-and-tumble series with the Royals. I think they're going to be a team that goes on some win streaks and... Uh, you can have some streaky play. You're going to have big young performances like the Orioles got last season from Adley Rutschman and some other players. And I think when you look at the Orioles or the, the Orioles last year, we were like, how is this pitching rotation pitching as well as it is? And I think you could see that from the Royals this year as well, where it does seem like kind of a patchwork rotation, but it's going to play above its means. And, you know, they they took the, the, the innings leader for the Orioles last year and Jordan Lyles and added them and he's going to be their two starter this year. But You've got Singer, you have Yarbrough, Yarbrough, who we mentioned, you have uh, Lyles, you've got a couple other guys in that rotation where maybe they're all average to slightly above average. Yeah, Granky's the one, but I think they're going to be, uh, I don't know what the what the word I'm looking for is, but they're going to be crafty. I think they're going to be pesky. And I think that the, the Royals are going to see an increase in their win total this year. And I'm not going to say where I have them finishing, but I really like the Royals for this year. And I think they're going to be kind of a toned down version of last year's Orioles. Hello everyone and welcome or welcome back to Double Play Baseball. In this video, Ryan and I are going to round out the AL Central by previewing the Guardians 2023 season as well as taking a slight look back on what their 2022 offseason has been like so far. Ryan, this is our 25th team we're previewing all offseason. NL Central's coming next week, but let's finish out this week. It's going to be released on a Friday, so our viewer's going to be happy, but let's uh, let's break down the Guardians offseason. So the big one, they added Josh Bell here. And uh, that's a great fit. We'll talk about that a little bit later. They added Mike Zunino to replace Austin Hedges, who was really their only subtraction. And then you signed Tuki Toussaint to a minor league deal. Uh, not really notable that really, but he's been a guy who's been able to eat up eat up some innings before uh, for the Braves. And he was a big prospect. Angels last year. He was Angels last year. Yep. So uh, you add those uh, the big name and Josh Bell replace Mike Sunino with Austin Hedges, and you don't really lose anything more. So out of these, which is the biggest one? It's so much to choose from here. Yeah, uh, not a lot to choose from, but there is, there's a clear fit, and it's Josh Bell. And, and I mentioned coming in, I think we did a crystal ball episode where I said, you, we, for the crystal ball in the future, I see a lot of free agents that are going to want to join the Guardians because they're a team that had been playing well at the time, had, you know, they've got Terry Francona, it seems like it's just a great place to play. And obviously Josh Bell, I think, was looking into that crystal ball as well, and he wanted to go join the Guardians. I, I like the fit. I think he's going to be a great switch hitter at first base. And now you've got two switch hitters in the lineup with him and Jose Ramirez. You know, there weren't too many other free agents that decided to come join, but Josh Bell did. And it's a big profile free agent for the Guardians to bring in. So I like the fit. He's he's my biggest addition for sure. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Despite there not being really one much else to choose from, uh, this is still one that's a good pickup, and we've seen teams where we kind of are forced to pick one player for that either left or they, that the, that the team added, and this doesn't feel like one of those scenarios. Like you said, it's a great fit uh, adding first base, which was kind of a hole for them last year. To pair in the middle of that order with Jose Ramirez, uh, so I, I think this is going to be a great fit and going to provide a lot of production to a team that was a win away from going to the ALCS last year. So I, I like Josh Bell and for their grade, uh, I'm going with a B plus actually. And, and despite there not really being much here, uh, I think we saw it and I like it for their market. And they were, they showed that they're going to spend. And like you said, the crystal ball, they're going to, they're going to try and spend while not being a team like the Padres. They're staying in their lane. They're not going to hand out $400 million to, Trey Turner or Aaron Judge. That's just not what the Guardians are going to do. So I, I like this year that they're kind of capitalizing and adding a Josh Bell great fit to a team that, like I said, was one win away from the championship series and won the division last year. So they're trying to capitalize on a weak division and like was seen was countless times with the Braves a couple of years ago, the Phillies last year. Anything can happen once you get into the playoffs if you run into some streaky hitting and good pitching. So 
I think this is a, another candidate. I, I mean, I originally picked the Guardians to go to the ALCS last year. They lose in Game 5. So I, I think this is a team that is still capable of making some waves, and I like the addition of Josh Bell. I, I don't really understand why people act like Cleveland is the smallest market in the world. Because, I mean, not to transcend sports here, but the Browns have made a ton of offseason moves. I think it's it's less of a market issue and more of an ownership issue. No, no, I, I'll, I'll I'll correct you there. So, uh, it, it's a different in baseball. The like in the in the uh, in the NFL, they have centralized TV rights. I actually just learned about this yesterday, so it's fresh on my mind. They, they have centralized TV rights, so which means they have better revenue sharing. So, you can't really compare the Browns and Guardians. I mean, I, they're I, but at least their rosters are in similar similar spots. Where the, I mean, the Guardians made the playoffs, and and I know that. You know, not every team is bringing in the same amount of money. And I know the NFL is different, but you're still a playoff team. And I'd like to see those teams that make the playoffs capitalize and bring in free agents. Because you look a couple of years ago, the Padres were in a similar spot to the Guardians. And I know you mentioned the Padres now as a team that's spending an incredible amount of money. But the Padres, San Diego hasn't always been the biggest market, but the Padres have, have capitalized on their better performance in recent years and, and you know, went out and with ownership and, and, and GM moves, made some some big splashes in free agency and, and, and trades and stuff like that. So I know that you know Cleveland isn't the biggest market, but neither, San Diego wasn't for a while either. And the Guardians were a team that shocked everyone last year and made the playoffs and even in, in, in move past the Rays with the youngest team in baseball. So I think they still could have done more. I'm not saying that they're terrible. I went with an, an above average grade still with a C plus, but I, I'm not sure it's it's fair to give them a B plus just because they're in a smaller market. Because they're still a playoff team last year. Obviously, you know, they went out, they're able to sign Josh Bell. I think they could have made more moves, even if they're smaller moves too. Like you could see smaller market teams making smaller moves and adding, a, you know, a higher quantity of players that are just maybe cost less money. But, you know, I think it's still time, even though there are smaller market owners um, who don't have as much money to, to use as say, you know, Steve Cohen does in New York. I'm not sure that I love that excuse because I think owners, as you know, have a ton of money. They can still go out and sign players, and they showed it by signing Josh Bell. I just think that there could have been more, so I went C+. I mean, I, I kind of disagree with you. I, 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 they're look, I, like, I don't know if there's more that could have been done. I, looking at this team, uh, like, maybe the bullpen, I mean, but you've got Karen Check and Class A in the back end, so you don't really, you kind of just piece together the middle innings. Uh the rotation is solid with Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill as the top three. And then looking at their lineup, there's not really a hole. Like, uh, Oscar and Gonzalez had a, had that big playoff moment, so maybe you believe in him. Uh, and then Miles Straw, who's like one of the best defenders in baseball. So those are really only two positions that you could have done better, but you've got Quan, Ahmed Rosario. Uh, you're not going to replace Jose Ramirez. Josh Naylor was good at first. Andres Menez was an all-star. So there's, there's not really an area that I would say like you needed to add anyone and unless it was a huge free agent signing to kind of get a lot better there wasn't like a smaller signing that I think would have been made sense for the Guardians. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I, I do I do think that they have some places they they could have improved. It was a great shortstop class and I'm not saying you got to go out and spend 400 million dollars on a shortstop, but I think some shortstops would have fit. I think you could add another starting pitcher um or maybe maybe it's not signing, and maybe it's a trade where you move some of the players that you have as strength. Where I think you know they have some depth starters uh, in Quantrill, Savali, and Plesac. Maybe you trade one of those guys and and go out for someone else. So I just think that they could have gotten a little bit better. And and you know they did hit or they pitched well enough to get past the Rays, but they didn't hit all that well in the postseason. And I think that they could have gone and, and you know maybe added one more bat. Um, but it, it, I, we're picking through hairs here. Our, our grades aren't overall incredibly different, but I don't think I would go as high as a B plus. Like maybe you can convince me it's a B minus or a B off season considering the circumstances. But I went with a C plus. Yeah, I, I, and moving on to what to expect moving forward to their 2023 season, uh, I'm expecting them to run it back and win the division again, and uh, I think they're going to win around. 90 plus games like I think they I don't remember what they were at last year I think they were right right around that number I think they're gonna run it back do that again and I think it'll be right there like I said a, a, a team that with Tristan McKenzie and Shane Bieber at the top that's a team that could if their other starters pitching well they're getting some uh, production from their order I think that's a team that could make a deep playoff run 
I mean, everyone that's watched the Twins video already knows that I think the Twins are going to win the division. And that's not me saying that the Guardians are going to fall off a cliff. I do think they take a slight step back, but um, not to spoil any records, I have them within a couple games of the Twins. I think it's going to be right down to the wire. I think they have, you know, another great shot at the division. I still think they have a really good shot at the playoffs, even if they don't win the division. So I still think they're a good team, but I say a, a slight step back because a lot like the Orioles, who didn't end up making the playoffs, and I made this argument in, in why I think they are going to take a step back, I do think the Guardians slightly overperformed last year, and I think they have players that, though we love to love them, the expected stats and so, you know some of the batted ball numbers or the, the velocity numbers and spin rate numbers, like they're guys that don't jump off the page in that way. Like a Stephen Kwan, who had a great season last year, it, it, it you look at the expected stats and you look at some of the underlying numbers and you maybe don't think that that's going to be repeatable in 2023. Even the two starters at the top, like Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie, their expected numbers weren't, weren't amazing either. Um, and then, you know, they, you have guys like Ahmed Rosario who has shown he can be good, but is he going to, like some of these guys could take steps back. And I think you're, you know, an injury at a couple positions away from being a slightly thin roster. Like what happens if Mike Sanino goes down and who are you throwing in there at catcher? He only hits one side anyways, I think pretty much only lefties. But there's just some of the some of the magic that went right for the Guardians in 2022. I'm not sure if you can bank on that every season, and I'm not sure all of their players, I believe, are going to perform to the same level that they did in 2022. I still think they're a good team. I still like a lot of their guys. Um, and I, you know, not saying that any of these guys are bad players at all, but a lot of them, you look at some of the underlying numbers or statistics, and you can't bank on the same performance that you're getting every year. They're not those um, they're they're not the guys that have the you know all red on the baseball savant page and um, have maybe just gotten unlucky or, or you can bank on it every single season. They're the guys that a lot has to go right for the Guardians, I think, to to be a ninety win team. I don't think it's gonna happen, but I still do think they've got a shot at the division and a good shot at the playoffs. I I, I guess you jogging on Stephen Kwan here is a good uh, transition into my bold prediction, and I'm with Greg Amsinger. I'm going Stephen Kwan batting title. And that's possible. I mean, but it, it's it's like it's a lot of singles, and and you know, I think it's maybe less that he's likely to win the batting title and more like maybe the on base percentage title for the American League. Um, but it, it's just some of the underlying numbers where I I just wonder. I know he's great defensively. He gets on base a lot, doesn't swing and miss, but doesn't hit the ball hard at all. And you look, and I read this article earlier in the offseason. I think it was on Fangraphs about players coming off of rookie seasons in which they had a like a barrel rate similar or below Stephen Kwan, and all of those guys ended up being a lot of no-name players. Uh, and, and even though they had similar rookie seasons to Stephen Kwan, they didn't end up uh, playing all that well. And who knows, Stephen Kwan could barrel the ball more in 2023, but I'm not going to just assume that it's going to happen. And so for the, for the lack of hard-hit balls that he had last year, I, I just I have some concern about whether you know, there's a lot of players like that in the Guardians where it's Tristan McKenzie who didn't throw, like, doesn't throw incredibly hard and, you know, has been crafty in the past, but got a lot of, you know, looking strikes on certain pitches in the zone. And it's just some of these things go the other way where they or they regress back to the mean that it, that it is for normal players. And you could see the Guardians take a slight step back. That's at least what I what I see. So, uh, what was your bold prediction? Oh, my, my bold prediction is the one player that I think is that elite athlete can bank on it every single year. It's Jose Ramirez. And while I'm, I might be disrespecting the Guardians, and and you know everyone might think I'm dumb for saying this about the Guardians, but in our video, I thought you were heavily disrespecting Jose Ramirez. So I'm going to say he cements himself as the consensus best third baseman in the league. I already think he is, but I think after this season, he's going to fully cement himself. But I do think he falls short of an MVP again. And I, I will say. This whole offseason, I've been talking to you about how hard the AL MVP is, MVP is to predict. And Jose Ramirez is the one guy that I've wanted to predict for the MVP more than anyone. I just I know that I can't bring myself to do it when we actually make our predictions because of Trout and Otani and Jordan Alvarez and Judge. I think Jose Ramirez is going to cement himself as the best third baseman in the league, but I don't think he wins an MVP, even though I wanted to predict it so badly. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't think he's... Top two, even maybe even three in 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 that conversation. Well, I know you know because of how badly you just disrespected him in our top twenty five video. It, it was top twenty five. It was like twenty one or something. He's easily a top ten player. 
I don't think so. I, I, I think that's that's blasphemy to put him above some of the other players top 10. Maybe it was too low, it sh- should be closer to 15, but I, I think it's blasphemy to have him as a top 10 player. Well, I'm not saying it's blasphemy to think that the, the Guardians are going to go back 90 wins, but maybe you're seeing hesitancy about ranking Jose Ramirez that high as the hes- hesitancy that I have for thinking the Guardians can go back to back. So we'll Sorry, Guardians fans. Guardians fans, let us know. I'm sure. I'm sure you were loving me all episode, and, and then I said, then I started dogging on Jose Ramirez. So maybe not so much right now. So, wh- which one of us is right here? I guess both of us are right in your eyes. Let us know what the Guardians are going to do in 2023. Can Jose Ramirez win an MVP? Jack says it's possible. I think. I think it is possible, but I think probably not. Uh, make sure you like this video and subscribe as well. See where we end up having the Guardians. Will Jack end up putting them as at least a playoff team? Come our record predictions. Where will I have them going in the playoffs? We're going to do all that awards, uh, playoff predictions, as well as record predictions. So make sure you stick around and check that out. It'll be coming out in about, I guess, a week and a half from now by the time you're seeing this. So it's coming up soon and baseball is coming up soon. So we're excited and make sure you guys subscribe and we've been double play. We'll see you guys next time.